Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Father God, we thank you. We just bless and exalt your name. We give you praise. We exhort you because you're wonderful, precious, loving, excellent in character, attitude, and being. We come before you once again for instruction tonight with the mindful understanding, hearts, and the effectual working of your word in our lives for transformation as we grow on to the measure of the stature of your only begotten son, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, so we continue with our study on the sitting priesthood. This is going to be part number four. The sitting priesthood. Uh, I don't know how many of you are actually keen up to what God is sharing with us in this particular series. How that, if you truly come to a better understanding of what we're dealing with, you can come to the place of power, place of authority, place of dominion. I mean, in your walk, in your daily walk. The effectual flowing of the Spirit of Christ will continue to be manifested in and through you in almost every area of your life. So I need you to pay close attention. You go back again and review some of the things we shared thus far in this particular series. Okay, so again, our main text is Hebrews chapter 10. I'm looking for verse number 11 to 12. Hebrews 10, 11 to 12. Hallelujah. And yet again, the Bible says, And every priest standing, standard daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices. And need to understand that the same sacrifices, right? Which can never take away sins. The same sacrifices. It was a continuous and repeated exercise. And they always standing because they don't have room to sit down. This thing has to continuously go on morning and evening, morning and evening. And it's the same thing that they were always doing. But verse 10, I mean 12 tells us, But this man, talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Amen? And that is where we belong, that I'm trying to make you see. This is exactly where you belong. Because you are sitting together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That is where you belong. Hallelujah. We are saying because he has offered this one sin for all I and mean forever, he is no longer acting, he is no longer, I mean, offering any more sacrifices. And there is nothing you can do when it comes to the issue of sin. Jesus paid the price once and for all. Now he's sitting down because he's no longer offering sacrifices as it were, because it's all done once and for all. And for all eternity, no more sacrifice is needed by God. He's not asking you for anything before he can forgive you or bless you, as the case may be. Amen? Alright, so that's what we said. And then going down to Psalm 110 verse number 1 from the New Living Translation. Again, he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I make, until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. And the verse 2 is what concerns us expressly again. He says, The Lord will extend your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. You will rule 
over your enemies. And we are saying, when the Bible talks about the issue of Jerusalem here, it's talking about the church, which is actually the heavenly Jerusalem. Amen? And we are saying that we Christians are the one that makes up this heavenly Jerusalem. According to Hebrews 12, verse 22. And so he's saying his kingdom shall be extended from this particular zone, this particular place of authority, which is the heavenly Jerusalem, the church. The written down you're going to find, I say, in the days of the party, people shall be willing. And we were able to describe what the day was. Looking from scriptures in our chapter 2, we find that they have to talk about the day of Pentecost, which has to do with the time of regeneration when he sits on his throne. Amen? Hallelujah. Alright, so we understand all of this thing that is ruling through us and from us. And, and it's important you understand that we are dealing with the issue of the kingdom when it comes to that. This is a kingdom that is about to swallow up all other kingdoms. And let me say this in passing. You see, dominion cannot come to you until you first exercise dominion over your spirit. The very place for rulership where authority comes from is your spirit. And if your spirit is not conquered by the spirit of the Lord, you cannot exercise dominion authority. It flows from your spirit. That is why the Bible will keep on saying, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Everything in my life flows from your heart. And Proverbs also said the same thing he said, he that have no control or rule over his spirit is like a city without walls, whose walls are broken down. He that have no control over his spirit. So the first place to start exercising dominion is in your spirit. Ability to manage your spirit is what brings in the full authority to you. If you are somebody who easily gets flared up, you are likely not to exercise kingdom dominion. You know why? Because you can use that power to destroy people because your spirit is not under control. I don't know if you get what I'm saying. If you must walk in dominion, the first place to start with is your spirit. I am saying, if you are somebody who is given to anger easily, who is easily grieved, you know what anger does? If you are somebody who is very, what word will I use? Very sensitive to what people say about you and toss you off. In a moment, you are likely not to exercise authority in God's kingdom. You know why? Because you can use that to kill people. The slighted offense that come to you. Are you getting what I'm saying now? Yeah, so one of the things that deprives you, kingdom authority, is your inability to handle your spirit. Because God will not give you, you see, we have little children here. You can, for the joy of you being wealthy, give your car key or get a car for your child who is about 10 years old. 
The power of the car is above the child in terms of management. They can't control it. You are likely to allow the child to go crash, kill himself, or kill people. Are you following what I'm saying now? Yes. The engine of the car is too powerful for that child to manage. He may have the key, but he can't manage the car. So it's not a thing of pride or whatever for you to give your key with a child of 9 or 10 years old and say, go and drive in the street, except the one that has really come to play the maturity in a way. In fact, it's all the more reason why you have to go through driving school before, as it were, you are permitted to drive with your own car. The excess of your driving school lesson is to be able to manage the engine. God can give you power. Or, for instance, on Christmas season, wherever you have a young man, and then you go and get a loaded pistol and give to your child, to your child as a birthday present. I'm sure you want him to kill people because you can't manage it. So, no father is stupid enough to give to the child what the child cannot manage. So, God can allow you to have kingdom dominion where you can manage the power of the kingdom. Are you following what I'm saying? This is very crucial. That is why you should manage your spirit if you really want to exercise kingdom dominion. You should be able to control your spirit anytime. You can allow everything to get you flared up, get you angry. No. God sees your spirit and he knows that if he allow you to have that dominion, you kill people with it. That is why Elisha is not my friend. As powerful as it was, there are some areas here, fine. But it's not my model. You know why? Oh, think about that. Though Diligent study said people put that picture there to show how powerful it was, but it was not real. But you know the story we are made to understand that he was passing by and some little children were saying, hey, the boy head man, boy head prophet, whatever. You remember that? And they call it here to eat them up. That is an abuse of kingdom authority. That is why it's not my friend in terms of all of those things. And then think about that. The servant, right? Gehazi, isn't it? Yeah. The king of Samaria coming. Did all of those healing for the man, swim in the river, and then Gehazi followed and got the present. And then Elijah comes and says, My spirit went with you. When he went and collected the present, and therefore you got to become leprous. What, what is the meaning? I mean, how do you cause your servant to become leprous just because you collected a gift and you made a statement? Is it time? That means there was supposed to be a time. It's just that he didn't get to the time. Is that enough for you to make me leprous? So it's not my model. I don't know if you're getting that. There was this case that, well, he has to go heal or revive or raise a child of the widow, I mean of the woman that died. The woman was crying unto her, unto him, you need to come heal my child or raise my child from the dead. And he gave the rod unto the servant. Now the servant was going, at the end of the day, Elisha went there, raised the child. What is the meaning of that? If you know you wanted to go raise a child, why send Elisha? I mean, send Gehazi to go with your rod. You made the rod important. 
because of your presence. If you wanted him to perform the miracle, you stay back. And then he performed the miracle. Now you gave him the miracle. I mean, the, the, the road to go perform the miracle. And then you went. You made him important. For me, that's an abuse of kingdom authority. I don't know if you're getting that. Here is Peter, in the book of Acts, chapter 4. Hmm? I mean, chapter 5. You remember this story? Alright. Because Ananas and Sapphira came in and said, Okay, they sold the land this much and they brought this amount, whatever the case may be. Elisha came and they said, You lied to the Holy Ghost. I mean, uh, Peter. And then the man slumped dead. I, I think he felt very happy because he has authority now to keep people with the power of God. And then by the time the wife came in and said, Oh, is that how much? Okay, yeah, okay. You can have with your husband to lie to the Holy Ghost. Therefore, the feet of those who carry your husband for burial, they're just by the gate. You must not dead. But this was the same you that denied Jesus three times and were forgiven. You lied. But Jesus forgave you. That's abuse of kingdom power. I don't think I'm getting that. <laughs> so, be careful with your spirit. In what we are dealing with, if you understand what we are saying, a man and God releasing authority to the people to rule. He said, your root shall come from Jerusalem. I mean, the church is about to be the place for true rulership. I am saying, if you can't control your spirit, you are likely not to be part of those people that can exercise kingdom dominion. Praise God. So look with me, Matthew chapter 13, verse 33, King James. And the Bible says, another parable, Luke 13, 33. Another parable spake he unto them. The kingdom of heaven is like unto living yeast, which a woman took and in the three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. The kingdom is like yeast. You know what yeast does, isn't it? You're baking bread. Put a little yeast on the bread. That one makes it to rise. Is that okay? Are you with me? Good. And so that's the way the kingdom is. Now why is it three measure? Because 1 Thessalonians 5.23 why is it three measures? This is why it's three measures. And the very God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray God, your whole spirit and your soul and your body be preserved what? blameless until the coming of the Lord. This is why it's three measures. What is supposed to mean? The kingdom comes into your spirit first. From your spirit flows into your soul. From your flow, it flows into your body. Are you getting that? That is why it's in three measures. So, you receive the kingdom into your spirit, it begins to expand. There's a flow of it, dominion power coming down to your physical body, but from first of all, your soul. And that's the greatest place where we have issues with the management or the flow of God's life, our soul realm. 
The soul realm is made of your mind, your will, your intellect, and your emotions. These areas of your spirit and your soul must be conquered by the spirit of God that moves from your inner man. They must be conquered. Don't forget this. Your spirit is sealed unto the day of redemption. Nothing can penetrate your spirit. No devil can penetrate your spirit. You got to know that. The Bible says our spirit is sealed unto the day of redemption. If you get something that is sealed, get the bottle of coke sealed up, throw it into the river, the coke is still there because it's sealed. It's corked. Your spirit is corked but with the spirit of God. Nothing can penetrate your spirit. Nothing. No demon can. Nothing. You've got to believe that. But out of that realm of this Holy Spirit <laughs> that is in your spirit now, there's a flow of that spirit like rays of light coming in from your inner man to affect your will, your emotion, and your intellect. It now begins to affect your thinking, the way you think, the way you move. That's part of what we call sanctification. And by the time that is done, it affects your physical body. So you see something. If you allow the Holy Spirit, thank you Jesus, to begin to flow, to touch your emotions, then it begins to deal with your physical body and sicknesses begin to give way. You can live in divine health as the Spirit flows from your inner man and begin to affect your soul. When your soul takes in the Spirit from the inner man, it begins to affect your physical body. So you start living in divine health. And which above all things that you've been in health and prosper even as your soul prospered. Can you understand that? You've been divine even as your soul prospered. So the prosperity of, of your soul determined your health part time as far as God's kingdom is concerned. I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health. Even as your soul prospered. So the prosperity of your soul is what determines your health. And that flows from your inner man. So the kingdom is like a little leaven that is placed on three measures of vessels. Are you there with me now? So the three measures have to do with your spirit. Your soul and your body. And let's look at Third John. Third John is it Third John two? What I'm trying to Third John one and two. Let me see. That's the book of Third John one and two. Okay, beloved, I wish above all things that I may prosper and be in health, even as your soul does what prosper it. So your health is connected to the prosperity of your soul. Are you seeing that? Yeah. So this is the power. Now we are, when, when you come to this, we are talking of rulership now. So now the kingdom Christ in your spirit is having dominion over your soul realm. And as it conquers your soul realm and subdues your soul realm, What's the next thing that begins to happen? You begin to flow in divine health. So there's a conquering taking place in your soul realm now. By reason of the seed 
of Christ that is being sown into your life. Are you getting this? That is why you must manage your spirit as much as possible. You must manage your mind as much as possible. Remember, it said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So, transformation comes via your soul. As your soul is transformed, then your entire body gets transformed. Are you seeing it? Praise God. Hmm. Okay, go with me to Mark chapter 4. Reading from verse 26. Mark chapter 4. Reading from verse 26. God wants you to live in health. He wants you to live in divine health. And provision for divine health is already made. Amen? Yeah, we got to walk into it. We got to believe into it. There's prosperity in our soul that guarantees divine health. Amen? 26, book of Mark. And he said, So is the kingdom of heaven of God as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day and the seed should spring and grow up. He knoweth not how. He doesn't know how. Remember, we're talking about Psalm 110, right? Where the power flows from Jerusalem. The powerful kingdom. All right. Are you following it now? Verse 28. For the earth bringeth forth fruit of Esau, or his or herself. First the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. Three dimensions. Spirit, soul, and body. Thirty-fold. Sixty-fold. Hundred-fold. Did you get that? Good. Just see that in those three dimensions. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately you put in the sickle because the harvest has come. Hallelujah. Let's read it from the NLT. NLT. Mark 4, 26. Jesus also said, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he doesn't understand how it happens. Did you get that? The earth produces the cross on its own. Oh, glory. First, a leaf blade pushes through. Then, the hairs of wheat and the farmed. And finally, the grain does what? Ripens. Now, what I want you to see, as touching what Jesus is saying here, let's still read this again from the message translation. Then Jesus said, God's kingdom is like seed thrown on a field by a man who then goes to bed and forgets about it. The seed sprouts and grows. He has no idea how it happens. The earth does it without his help. Oh, glory. 
No, no, no. You see, as you're looking at this picture, see yourself. And begin to understand that certain things are happening in your life unknown to you right now. But you are assisting the seeds in your life to come to maturity. You are the edge that the seed is sown into. By implication, Jesus is going to conquer you. <laughs> Hallelujah. The earth does it all without his help. First a green stem of grass, then above, then the ripened grain. When the grain is fully ripe or formed, the hips harvest time. I try to find out what does plant need, for instance, to get healthy? What does plant need to get healthy? This plant is sown, yes. And the man just went to bed. The best that a farmer can do is to weed the, the farm when there's weed, right? But how does the plant itself grow? What does the plant need to grow? Biologically speaking, every plant needs four or five things. Number one, air, light, warmth, water, and nutrients. That's about five things. Every plant needs to grow well. What did I say? Air, light, warmth, water, and what? Nutrients. These are the things that the required ingredient for any plant to do well. Are you there? Once these things are there, the plant will grow. If you put a plant in a little place, for instance, where there is no light, you know how the plant grows. Actually, if you use maybe like um, a plant can I describe? Even if you use something like bean seed, when it starts coming up, it's going to be very fragile, weak, and whitish, and then it'll be turning towards where the light is, which is phototropism, because it need the light to produce photosynthesis. Is that okay? So the light will bending towards that light. So every plant planted in a secluded area will look for light to do well. Jesus is the light of the world. Are you following what I'm talking about? Okay. So you will find that every plant absorbs nutrients and water through their roots. Follow this. The nutrients that a plant needs, the food that a plant needs, right, comes from the soil. For those instances, like I said, is a process whereby the plant will create their own fuel and it occurs in leaves. That's why it goes towards where the light is. Therefore, plants that need to get fluids and nutrients from the ground, they must remove, get this from the root for them to be strong and healthy. They get this thing from their roots. Now listen to this. The kingdom seed is already planted in your life. What about if I tell you now? That is taking your dead carcasses to produce own nutrients. What will you say? Your life is what empowers the seed of the kingdom that's already in your life. It's taking you, it's taking, it's absorbing your dead cells and producing new cells. I don't know if you're getting this. 
Isaiah 40 we say, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. How many of you remember that? They shall mount as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. Amen? They shall walk and not faint. That means energy is being given to them. It absorbs your dead system and gives you life. Hallelujah. And because of that, this is what Paul said in Galatians 4 verse 19. Galatians 4 verse 19. My little children, whom I travail and bent again until Christ be formed in you. Hallelujah. Until Christ be formed in you. Now understand this. He was writing to the Galatian church and he has to use this word because after they have received the Holy Spirit, after they have moved on, Judaizers came in to start telling them other things, how they must incorporate Judaism into the worship of the Spirit. And Paul will say, who have bewitched you? I mean, if you remember that. Have you begun in the spirit? Are you ending in the flesh? What it means to say is, you got saved through the Holy Spirit. You experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. You already got the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Now you are going back to Judaism. Who has bewitched you? Amen? So, when he says, I'm traveling in bad pain again, that means... Is trying to cause the understanding to come to the place of receiving Christ more than the way it was before, if you will. So it's like he's repeating himself in trying to get Christ to be formed in them. How is Christ formed in the people? Through the word. Amen? Through the word. Through the preaching of the gospel. They rejected, if you will, or they were pulling away or walking away from everything Paul taught them initially. So Paul is trying to get them revived, trying to get them back by preaching again, by teaching them again. And in so doing, sowing the seed of Christ were into their life. Praise the living God. Now this is why when you start reading down, begin to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. When he finished speaking about this, when he get down to chapter 5, he begins to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22-23. Are you getting that? Praise the Lord. Help me, Lord. Go with me to James chapter 1. Look at verse 17 and 18. The book of James. Hallelujah. The Bible said, Every good gift... And every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Now, every good gift coming from above, meaning every good gift come from God. And so, when the Bible said you must be born again, that word is actually wrong. It means you must be born from above. There was no comparison between your natural birth and you coming to be birthed by the Spirit. Jesus wasn't comparing that. 
Jesus was actually telling Judas, I mean Nicodemus, who was a rabbi, that you have been born under the law. But now you need to be born of the Spirit. He was really trying to say, move out of being a Judaistic person and join my camp. I operate by the laws of heaven. You need to operate by the laws of heaven. Go out of Judaism if you are beginning to have that understanding. Don't let Judaism tie you up. The only thing that kept Nicodemus from fully identifying with Christ was position. Fame. You understand that? Because he would go in the night to meet with Jesus. He already began to understand certain things. He was, in fact, he was a secret believer. Are you still there with me? And guess what? That is the only man that Jesus actually spoke to about being born again. And if you check the scripture, this word is your three times in the whole Bible, or twice. You must be born from above. Just twice. But you know, that is what we specialize on. We specialize on talking to people about being born again. But if you compare the word born again with kingdom of God, it's in the wide margin. The word kingdom is used 155 times in the Bible. But born again, she's about just three times. But the one that Jesus didn't major in is the one we major in. So we're majoring in the minor. And Jesus said that to an unbeliever, not to an unbeliever in the street, he said that to a Jewish man who ought to be a believer in sense. He never said that to an unbeliever. Are you with me? So here we see that the Bible says that every good gift comes from above. That word is what is used in John 3 to mean again. I'm saying the appropriate word to be used there is the word above. You must be born from God's spirit. As many as believe him, you get part of the world, the sons of God. You understand that? Good. Alright. Look at verse 18. Of his own will begot us with what? The word of truth. That we should be a kind of first fruit of his creatures. Praise God. How are we begotten? We are begotten by the word of truth. So that's what Paul was saying. I travail in bad pain until Christ be formed in you. I'm trying to give you the word so that Christ's seed can be formed back into your life. Now he said, when we are begotten by the word of truth, we are kind of first fruit unto God. Let me read the scripture here. Revelation 14. Very quickly. Revelation 14 verse 5. Let's read verse 1. And another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice. I said verse 1. Verse 1. And I looked and lo, a lamb stood on my Zion, and with him a hundred and forty-four thousand 
having his father's name written in the forehead. You know why he's saying this? You go back to chapter 13, begin to talk about the mark of the beast, the name of the beast. Is that okay? Those are the name in the forehead and the mark in the right hand. So, this is like overcomers who did not receive the mark of the beast. Are you there with me? Those who receive the mark of the beast, they have it on their forehead. And those who are overcomers, they are now where? On Mount Zion, with the Lamb, they have the mark of the Father where? In their forehead. That's why when people tell you that mark of the beast 666 on people's forehead, the question is, what is the mark of God? What is the name of God that's written in people's forehead? And who has ever seen anybody with the name of God reaching the forehead walking in the street? Hallelujah. But here he said, this 144,000, get it to understand again, have nothing to do with Jews. People teach it to mean that these are Jewish people. No, no, no. 144,000 simply speak of the fullness of the kingdom of God. Is that okay? The kingdom of God is number 12. So you have 12 disciples, you have 12 tribes, you have 12 fruits, manner of fruits. Revelation 22. Is that okay? Right. It speaks of the fullness of God's kingdom. So you multiply 12 by 12, you have 144. And 1,000 is God's number of fullness or completeness. Praise God. Now, so here we have it. Now, when you run the name on your forehead, what you mean is you are taking the identity of God on your forehead. With your forehead, which have to do with your mind. You took on the God identity on your mind. That's what he's saying. Look at the next thing. There's something I want you to see anyway. Just move down. Verse 2 says, And I heard a voice from heaven, as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunders. And I heard the voice of harpers happen with their harps. And they sang as it were a new song before the throne. And before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the hundred and forty-four thousand which were redeemed from the earth. Now the new song, the song of redemption, a different from the song of deliverance. In Exodus 15, Moses captured the song of deliverance as he came out of the Red Sea. But here we are redeemed. We are not just talking about deliverance, we are redeemed from amongst men. And we have a song that even those who partake of deliverance cannot sing. The Bible said this song is known to them alone. Song means a message. Song means an understanding. Song means a revelation. Song means a mind of God that it gives to those who are redeemed. Is that okay? So we're singing a new song. Not like the song of Moses. No, this is the song of the Lamb. The song of redemption. We are saying we are redeemed. In this body, Christ is ruling and reigning. We are precious seed before God. Amen. Praise God. Look at the next thing. And he said, These are they which were not defiled with women. Take note, for they are virgins. Glory to God. They are not defiled with women, for they are virgins. Now, anytime you look at that, talk about virgins, you only think about women. How many of you remember that? That's what all it comes to the mind when he mentioned the word virgin they think about women. Now are you saying now if it is women he's talking about here how do women defy women? Are they sodomizing or lesbianizing? Is that what he's talking about? No, no, no. When he said 
These were not defiled with women. We are talking about people who are not corrupted by the church system. That is why in Matthew 25, it talks about the five fully virgin and the five white virgins. We are begotten by the word of truth. And we are not allowing any system of man to corrupt the word that he has given to us. That's why they are virgins. Is anybody getting this? Yeah. I said they were virgins. Said, These are they which follow the land. I follow it very well. They follow the land without saying where he goeth. These were redeemed from amongst men. Be what? The first fruit unto God and to, to the Lamb. What did you read in James chapter 1 verse 18? He begotten us through what? The word of truth. That we might become what? The first fruit unto what? Unto his creature. Did you get that? So we are part of the 144,000. Is it making sense to you? Good. Because we are begotten by the word of truth. Oh. And so we become the first fruit of God's creature. Amen? Now I want you to get it because very important for you to understand what we're dealing with. Which is the word of God. In your life, in your spirit, flowing down to your soul and you becoming the first creatures from amongst men on the face of the earth. And so that takes me to 1 Corinthians 15 verse 22. Hallelujah. Are you following me? Okay. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be what? Made alive. Verse 23 is very important. But every man in his own order. Christ the first fruit, afterward there are Christ at his appearing. Every man in his own order. The word order in the Greek talks about like a troop or a battalion. Is that okay? So, we have several groups of people coming into light part time, but that's not the end. We have other people that are still going to follow. There are a crop of first fruit people, but there are others that will also come. The Bible says every man in his own order. Christ first, then those who are Christ. So I can say like the one for the four thousand. Those who are begotten by the word of truth. Is that okay? But others will also come in. Because the word said in the verse 22, As in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Is that okay? Right. So now for the all to be made alive is in progression. First Christ to reveal who really the true identity of sons are going to be. He manifested that when he came out of the grave. Revealed true sonship when he came out of the grave. Are you with me? Right. So now, after Christ being the first fruit, the very first to show the example of the life we're supposed to live, a group of people that follows him, then all that will come, every man in his own order. First is Christ, afterward, they that are Christ, at what? As his appearing. Praise the living God. I'm going to assure you something. I don't know when. I don't know how. Remember, the kingdom is planted like a seed and it, I'm on the out of the earth begins to produce. Is that okay? I don't know when, I don't know how. But I'm trying to make you understand something that the life that Jesus lived, I'm not talking about when he was working in Palestine. I'm talking about after resurrection. That is the very life that everyone that belongs to Jesus is going to experience. 
Why? Because the false fruits among many brethren is the false, is the head. We are joint heirs. So everything he partook of, we are going to partake. Do you understand that? But every man is one in his own order. So this is why the revelation word of God is not coming to the whole church at the same time. It's coming to a set of people, people who are receiving it and preparing themselves and knowing and believing what God is saying. And that is just part of that, that others will come in. I'm trying to make you understand, you don't have to be deceived in what we are saying. This is not Pentecost. This is going beyond Pentecost. Does anybody understand what I'm saying here? Praise God. And this thing is not given to everybody. Even in the days of Jesus, he said, why teach these people in parables? It's not because for you it is given to know, but for them it's not given to know the mystery of the kingdom. Now the word mystery is very, very important. Mystery has to do with those who are initiated into a system. Let me use a word that may look very bad, but that is what it is. Mysteries are things that are open to those in a court or in a set. Do you understand that? For instance, if you are not in a secret society, you don't know what they do. But they who belong, they understand exactly what's going on. So there's a mystery. Because you're not there. So mysteries reveal to those who are initiated into a system. And so only you, if you come to understand the message of the kingdom, that means you are an initiate. You've been initiated into God's kingdom so you can understand the things of the kingdom of God. So to them it's not given, but to you it's given to know what? The mystery of the kingdom of God. Why? Because every man will come to it but first Christ and then there are Christ. Every man in his own order. Are you following me? So one thing I got to assure you is this truth is going to go forth. And men are going to receive it. But for now, there is an arrowhead of a people. That is what you call a remnant. That's what you call a few who are coming to understand the message and the mystery of what? Of the kingdom of God. They will come into it. They will get tired with Pentecost. They will seek something deeper. Hallelujah. And they will finally come. But while they are coming, you are also moving. Praise God. Said so then verse 24. Then come at the end. When he shall deliver up the kingdom to God. Even the Father whom he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. Amen. For he must reign. Hallelujah. Till he put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he seeth all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is exempted which is put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued under him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that is to God, that put all things under him, 
that God may be all and in all. Now, I would like you to read it from the Amplified Translation. Verse 28. Very powerful. Are you there? Look at it. Can you see it? However, when everything is subjected to him, including death, which already had been, <laughs> then the son himself will also subject himself to the father. What's the mystery? Hear this. <laughs> In the garden, there was no mediator. It was Adam and God. Are you with me? Man sin. We now have a mediator. Now, when the quarrel between God and man is settled, what do you think he will have to do? He has to withdraw. Did you get that? Come on, are you following what I'm talking about? He will have to withdraw. He will have to leave the sin. Because there's no more quarrel, there's no more trouble, nothing. There is a complete realm of paradise. It has to be God and man. Meaning, sorry to say, his ministry shall end at a point in time. This might be hard saying, but as a truth. See, he is God, he is our brother, we offended God. He came to reconcile us between our father and ourselves. And once the job of reconciling us to our father have been accomplished, what do you think he will stand there to do? Nothing one more time. Just like the sacrifice is ended, he sat down, even so, when full reconciliation takes place, he's going to move out of the way. Right now it's interceding, but the time comes when even the intersection ends, because now we probably be reconciled unto, unto God. Look at the next thing. He said, however, when everything is subject to him, then the son himself will also be subjected to the father who put all things under him so that God may be one. All in all. Now look at the definition. Be everything to everyone. Supreme. The indwelling and controlling factor of life. So that which you call the Holy Spirit controlling you now is the fullness of God that's going to be expressed in your life. Hallelujah. Now we say, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So what are we trying to say? At the fullness of time, you can equally say, as many as are led by God, they are the sons of God. Because now, we are in the kingdom of his dear son. But now we're going to talk about the kingdom of who? Of God. So when you say the kingdom of his dear son, Colossians 1, 12, 13, translated into the power, I mean, from the power of darkness, the kingdom of what? Of his dear son. So Christ is controlling now. Christ is ruling now. Christ is subduing all things. But it comes to a point when everything has been completely subdued. He turned everything on to who? Unto God. God is now being the one to express himself through all of your life. So God will be all in all. What is that? The controlling factor in every man. That the fullness of that which Christ is doing. It's going to be God and man. Nobody standing between. It's just God and man. Are you following me? And this is, this is going to be the fullness as to why Jesus will say, when you pray, say, our Father which art in heaven, 
Is that okay? Amen. Do you know when he made that statement, he didn't bring Jesus anywhere in between? Does he occur to you? When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven. He stepped out and directed you to God. Because this is what finally is going to come to be. Thy kingdom come, the fullness of the kingdom. It's going to be God and man. Are you following me? So when he said, pray, our father which art in heaven, he just took himself out of the equation. Did you notice that? He knew what he was talking about. He knew what he was asking that to pray for. He had mind what is going to happen at the fullness of time. God is going to be all in all. By implication, God will be flowing through your mind, flowing through your spirit, flowing through your body. God is going to be all in all. You're going to be led by God anytime, anywhere. You're going to understand where God is in the move. Like Adam could hear the voice of God in the cool of the night. And this is why God said in 2 Corinthians 6, I will dwell in them, I will live in them, I will walk in them, they shall be my people, and I shall be their God. Amen? I will walk in them. That means going to be expressing himself through you and I. That's the fullness of the kingdom. Hallelujah. But what we're talking about now first, now the understanding, and then the fullness of time, when all of that which God has in mind, is going to be fully revealed. Let me just read this scripture and we'll close for tonight. Daniel 7 verse 14. Daniel 7 verse 14 and the verse 27. We can close for that tonight. Hallelujah. Are you with me at all? Daniel 7, 14. And there was given him dominion and glory and the kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. Hallelujah. This is talking about coming to the ancient of death. There is something power. Talking about Jesus Christ. Is that okay? Right. Now go to verse 27. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to which people? The people of the saints of the most high, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominion shall serve and obey who? Obey him. Now listen, the kingdom is given to a people. Men shall obey him. What is the meaning of that? They shall obey him through the church. Read it again. Look at this. And the kingdom. And the dominion. And the greatness of the kingdom. Under the whole heaven. Shall be given to the people. Of the saints. Of the most high. Whose kingdom. Is an everlasting kingdom. And all dominion shall serve and obey him. Obey who? obey God. But remember, the kingdom will be given to who? To the people of the Most High. So how are people going to obey him? They are going to obey him through the church. Are you following me? Meaning the church will rise to the place of absolute dominion and authority as God resident in us, God resides in us, God walks through us. We conquer in on behalf of God. Through us, the world now is going to be fulfilled. Let's make mine our image and after our likeness. Let it have what dominion over everything that we have created. This is going to be the full manifestation of sons of God on the face of the earth. All ends of life are going to obey. And this is why you see when Jesus was baptized 
and the word come, this my beloved son, woman, well please. Yeah, hear him. In other words, obey him. All creation were meant to obey Jesus Christ. Because Jesus made up, I mean, God made a pronouncement over his life. Even so, a time is coming. How and when, I don't know. For the kingdom is growing, multiplying, and increasing. But that same voice that made a pronouncement is going to be repeated again over the sons of God. That all realms and creation and dominion will obey the sons of God. As they obey God, you are going to be obeying God through the sons. That is why in Romans chapter 8, the Bible now tells you, creation is waiting for what? The manifestation of the sons of God. I'll give you this story and I'll quit. I've forgotten the name of this sister. But she was an intercessor. And in the U.S. And this one day, the Lord asked her to go to a city. That is how her intercession ministry was so powerful. God asked her to go to the city, checked into a hotel, so she did that. And she was there the fourth day, the second day. And the third day, and she was trying to say, Lord, why did you ask me to come here? And the Lord said, open the window. She opened the window, looked out, and found a heavy tornado was coming. And he said, I brought you here to stop the tornado. So stretch forth your hand, I pray, and ask the tornado to stop. And this lady opened the window, spoke to the tornado, and everything went down. And not too long, the news came up on the air. Heavy tornado was coming, but all of a sudden, the thing just went off. They never knew what happened, but was responsible for that woman who made this tornado to stop. She was walking under the influence of the power of who? Of God. Creation will obey your voice. So, when the storm and the wind obeyed Jesus, it was just typical of what sons of God are going to do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When storms are coming, God wants you to pull them to a stop. God wants you to speak to creation. wants you to speak to systems. And they got to obey God through you. Because he lives his life through your life. And in a measure, even as you are now, whatever storm that is coming to your life, you can stop it. Amen? You can speak to every negative situation. You can start exercising authority now. You can start exercising dominion now. Not tomorrow. You can start now because the kingdom is right now within you. With the measure of kingdom you have received, you can exercise that power. Are you hearing what I'm talking about? So if some negative things are coming your way, put a stop to them. Talk to them. Call them to cease. And he has to obey you. Why? Because they are obeying God through you. Praise the living God. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.